Hey, welcome to another episode of Who Dares Wins. Uh, this is JP, and thank you for tuning in. Um, in case you haven't heard the first episode yet, Who Dares Wins is a new podcast that I just started, and it is around the theme of daring, daring to be great, you know, to take risk, to uh, act on faith. Um, so, uh, definitely check out the first episode and I explain a little more about what, uh, the podcast is about and, um, why I'm excited to have you as a listener and, um, yeah. And just before I go forward too, I just really want to say that to dare is to have sufficient courage, right? And I think like a lot of us struggle with like, do we believe, do we have courage? What does that mean? And, um... I believe this this podcast, since I've already started it, has already challenged me to live in courage. What is that? And and I find that what that means is like you have an idea of what you want to do and what you need to do, and you're you're like back and forth about it. You're like, what does this mean? Um, I don't know if I can do it. Like, I don't like my voice. I don't like the way I look. I don't like this or that or this happened to me in my life and this or that. And I did this. And the truth is, is that you can do anything you want. You can do anything that God has put in your heart, right? And right now you might not even believe in God, but I want to encourage you that God put eternity in your heart. And so I want to encourage you to dare, to dare greatly and to live your best life. And so, um, yeah, so just thank you so much for tuning in. And this is Who Dares Wins. And um, today I thought it would be really cool to talk about homeless outreach. This is a passion of mine that I have, man, I have been doing this since 2000 five or six and so like how did I get into homeless outreach what is homeless outreach how can we make outreach better what organizations are doing outreach um I hope to explain some of that um briefly and um yeah and uh you know and so like you know um I'm glad that you're along for the ride thank you for listening so yeah, so I've been doing outreach for, man, 13 years, what is it, 2018, so like 10 years, 2015, plus 3, yeah, so 13 years I've been doing homeless outreach, and it's like, so how did I get into homeless outreach, I'm glad you asked, um, just so you know, that's called the diatribe, and the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, <laughs> he used that a lot to explain this book called Romans. Um, I'll get to that another time, but a diatribe is a fake story with a counterperson or whatever. And so it's like you develop questions and you answer those questions based on what you think your audience would be asking already. Um, kind of cool thing that Paul would do. Um, but, you know, getting back to... Uh, homeless outreach and like how I got started in it and uh, before I do that I apologize I have ADHD and so if you have ADHD then you'll understand this I'm all over the place I'm like a basket case right so it's like my mom used to say if if I if I if I I don't know I don't even remember what she said that's ADD um anyway so uh 
yeah, so let me just say this. Um, so, um, so I got into homeless outreach and, uh, thank you so much. Um, I got into homeless outreach because I was part of this church called Underground Church and, uh, with my friend Justin and Derek and, uh, Austin, who is the founder and pastor at the time and, um, and our friend Dory and like all these friends and, um, and still to this day, we're all pretty close and which is really amazing because churches, you know, um, that tends to not happen when a church stops. Um, if you didn't know that. So we would, um, gather together in this storefront on like 8th and Avenue B in New York City. And, um, we would do a worship service and like bang on the tables, bang on things, you know, slam chairs. Like, um, our friend Fritz would play guitar. Um, I believe his band is called Human Decline, so definitely check them out. Uh, if you like metalcore, they're called Human Decline, and he's a great guy. Um, but, so that was happening, and then, and then Austin just really felt called to come to the city and, um, start a church for hardcore kids, like kids involved in punk rock and, and, um, aggressive music and hardcore music and, and, and like that drew goth kids, you know, people who listen to goth music and really are really into like, you know, emotive music and sensual music, you know, but really fun times, you know, I think goth gets a really bad, bad rap. It's actually a really amazing genre. Um, yeah. And so there was just like all kinds of people there. And, um, and I remember coming to this church this storefront church and, um, and then one day they did a message and they were like, okay guys, after this message is done, we're going to go out and do outreach. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I've never done that in church. And so we got together and we went to this place um, on 21st and Park Avenue called Calvary at St. George's. And it's a parish church, um, an Episcopal church, I believe. And in the office there, there was a there was a priest and he let us use his office and we cooked all this food. And then after we cooked all the food, we distributed it in the city. And so we had some carts and we had some different different stuff. And I remember like I was like, dude, this is crazy. What are we doing? Right? And we like loaded up the carts with clothing from donated from different churches. And I was like, I don't want to do this. Right? And so I'll stop there and I'll explain why I didn't want to do it. And why maybe you might be hesitant to do something that that you feel being pulled on your heart. Maybe it's God who's like calling you to do something. And maybe maybe it's something else. Maybe you don't believe in God, but you just feel like a calling inside, right? And um and many people we express our beliefs in different ways. And so maybe you just feel like this pull on you, um, maybe to step out. And I want to say, being very trans- transparent here, that in 2003, I was homeless. 
and I lived in Bellevue Men's Shelter on 30th and 1st Avenue, I think it is, or 3rd Avenue. One of the, it's on the east side, 30th Street, right next to Bellevue Hospital. There's a show about it right now. It's called New Amsterdam. It's amazing. I love the show. Definitely check it out. Um, I watch it on YouTube TV. It's super cool. Um, definitely recommend YouTube TV, but if you don't have that, if you've got Fire Stick or something else, definitely check it out. New Amsterdam, awesome show. Um, but it's about Bellevue. And so right next to it is Bellevue Men's Shelter. And Bellevue Men's Shelter, um, a lot of people were living there because they were affected by 9-11. And, um, and so I was living there. And, um... You know, I wasn't really happy about living there. I don't think anyone really would be. And I remember when I got out of there and I got my apartment. I was living in Spanish Harlem on 111th and 1st. And I just said, man, I don't never, ever want to go back there. I don't ever want to do nothing like that again. I don't want to help these people. I don't want to do nothing like that. I don't want to go anywhere back to where I was. I want to keep going forward. So I got a job in a factory, you know, then I got a job as an organizer with Acorn and Nyperg. And then I, I did some other things and I just was like, I'm never, ever going back. But you know what? That night when I was doing outreach, fast forward, that night when I was doing outreach, I realized I just, I kind of realized that I thought maybe this is what Jesus was really doing. That it wasn't so much about being at church. It was about being the church. And like, what did that even mean? Yeah, and so we kept doing outreach. I kept going. And uh, mostly I stuck around the church because we were going to shows. Back then there was a club called CBGB's, very famous very famous club, you know, the Ramones played there, they kind of made it famous, the Ramones played there, and like, you know, the New York Dolls, and like, so many great acts performed there before it closed, sadly, and um, we would minister in there, we would go in there and encourage kids, and they would be like, God is dead, we don't care about it, blah, get away from me, and at the same time, those same kids later on, you know, we would buy pizza for and hang out with, and um, and it really made an impression, and people started listening to us. Granted, we were not well liked at all, but I think that over time we got some respect, right? Um, I think people are just mostly used to Christians being weird and like totally unrelatable and corny, and so um, so we were really trying not to do that. Getting back to the homeless outreach, that was part of it. See, a lot of the kids that would go to CBGB's and a lot of people we would meet on Wednesday nights were runaways, were people in search of purpose and identity and calling. And they were finding purpose in heroin and finding purpose in crack and finding purpose in drug use and promiscuous sex and, you know, I, I'm not going to be shaming or anything like that. I'm just going to say that I think that a lot of us sometimes get involved in sex and we're not even, we're not even really healthy. And so 
we misuse like this beautiful thing and um so i'm not going to go too much into that that's another day but this is the kind of people we were meeting and i remember meeting these folks and realizing this is so much bigger than just being a part of a church that cares about punk and cares about hardcore this is a church that actually cares about the most vulnerable people in our city fast forward a couple weeks and I was at BMCC Borough Manhattan Community College and I was leaving I was studying to get my associate's degree in human services I wanted to be a counselor and a social worker that got put on hold but that's what I wanted to do Hmm. I'm leaving school at the same time I had been wrestling and I was in a sociology class and I'll never forget this professor. But I was wearing a Sick of It All shirt. It's a New York hardcore band from Queens. But they rep Lower East Side. And um, in, in the shirt, you know, it said Sick of It All. And, um, and the professor was just like, I like your shirt. And I was like, what do you mean? And for the rest of the semester, he began to really talk about injustices and capitalism and things like that and like how like we need to be sick of injustice and make changes that college was an opportunity for us to stretch our minds but also to be engaged and and take responsibility now granted that was going on throughout the semester but i was wrestling with my walk with god because prior to that i had this faith that was very conservative and very like Bible, church kind of separate stayed away from people outside of church like I was one of those guys you know Um, I even go so far as like I believe that Bush you know what I mean was put there by God because why else would the elections be crazy unless like God wanted his man in there right so I was definitely one of those guys that was like God has taken over, and like now God is in the White House, right? And I mean, I wrestled with that idea, and I almost, I kind of really pushed it away. Now, I've, I've, I've come like so many circles, and I know it sounds like I'm going around in all its different places, and I really thank you if you're still listening, but you got to understand the way my mind thinks, and it, it's almost like going all in so many different directions at all times and maybe you relate to that but I'm getting back to why I got involved in homeless outreach and that is because of all the storms that were going on inside of me I remember one day getting ready to take the train I was at Chambers Street in New York City by by One World Trade you know by Ground Zero back then it was Ground Zero Rest in peace to um, all our fallen fallen um, people. Uh, still chokes me up when I think about it. Um, yeah, never forget, right? We'll never forget. Um, but anyway, I was waiting at the train, and I saw this woman. And I looked at her. And I said, hi. She said, hi back. And I looked at her in the eyes. 
And I realized in that moment, you are the image of God. Not, not, not to take away anyone that's doing well and people that are not homeless, but I saw God in this person. And up until that time, my friend Derek had been telling me over and over again, like, they're the image of God, they're the image of God. I would get to know him more and it would make sense. But when I first met him, I was just like, whoa, this dude's cool. Like, he's wild and radical. He's definitely, like, stretching my mind and kind of, like, helping me to feel comfortable about a lot of the stuff I was into before I became Christian. And, like, that didn't make any sense. One of the things that didn't make sense about it was that it was like, this is not what I was told. I was not instructed by church to go outside the walls and talk to the poor and talk to those most vulnerable, to talk to the widows and orphans, to hear the cries of my neighbor, to honor their cries, to fight for them. And so in that moment, I looked at her and I said, I was like, I bet people just step over you. And she's like, yeah, you know, they tend to just ignore me and I get used to it. And I was like, well, I'm not going to ignore you anymore. I see you. You are the image of God. And he, he, he sees you. You're Jesus. And if I neglect you, then I neglect Jesus. I later would find out that that's in the Bible. It's in Matthew 25, 31 through 46. and talks about uh, a tale of sheeps and goats. And one, you know, showed compassion. And Jesus referred to them as sheep. And one did not show compassion and was sort of like ambivalent, calloused, apathetic. And he referred to them as goats. And if there's any portion of scripture that talks about hell and heaven, it would be that. It's a contested scripture. But it would be that. And that is the one who went to hell was the one who did not show compassion. And so in that moment, I was like, wow, God, you're everywhere. You're everywhere. And so outreach became a new thing. I remember saying, meet us here. We have clothing. Meet us here. We have food. Meet us here. We're going to be praying. We're going to be offering free prayer. And by this time, you're like, well, this guy's really Christian. Yeah, I am. Uh, guilty. Um, but I'm searching for the real Christ. I'm searching for the real Jesus, right? I'm searching for that, that Jesus that can change human lives and rescue us and bring us up to fullness. And so that leads me to why I do do outreach. In time after that, I got so consumed with it and I became super political. I went back to my old political views. I discarded everything I learned about when I got saved. I I got rid of everything. I just 
discarded all the literature I had. I got rid of everything I learned from Billy Graham. All those things. Anything that was just like Jesus, 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 and didn't talk about social justice, like specific stuff. I discarded it. I got rid of it. And I began to start reading the the works of Jaka Lule and Bernard Eller, you know, and, and, and Christian anarchism and Christian communism and socialism. And I started thinking about all these different political theories and was putting them together in school. And, and I was starting to understand why as a church we tend to or like as a church meaning like me i guess right like how, why the church fails why the church loses out and why the church now is starting to learn how to really hear the hearts and cries of culture but when i was growing up and when i was a teenager they were literally missing the mark they were just like totally be different you know go over here you know just like no that's so weird no way like I play music like that's what I should be doing I don't play music in real life but I'm just saying as an example but like it's like really powerful because you know you might be listening to this and you're like you know I've cared about so many different things and I have thought about God sometimes but I was pushed away you know I cared about the homeless But I couldn't find a leader that would help me, put me in the place where I need to be. And I want to encourage you that sometimes when I did outreach, I did it by myself. I wasn't always with underground church. I wasn't always with those friends. We had different seasons. Sometimes we didn't talk. Sometimes we were upset about stuff. But the one thing remained the same. I loved my friends on the street. And I had a passion for the marginalized. And I still do to this day. <laughs> you know, and I really do believe that as I'm finding that balance now and working out that part of my faith, and I really believe that God's heart is for service. God's heart is for bringing in someone and letting them sleep on the couch. Obviously, you know, you know, feel comfortable. We don't be safe. But I mean, like, God is for compassion. And I think all the major religions would agree. Compassion is at the heart of God. And so as I transition now into a new topic, I... Um, wanted to just say that, like, um, I, uh, really want to encourage you to just think about that. Think about that. This is, this is called Who Dares Wins, right? And, um, I'm JP, and I hope that I explained a little bit of why I do outreach, but I, I want to encourage you to think like hey maybe there's something I've been wanting to do for someone and I haven't done it I want to encourage you to do it I want to encourage you to call someone encourage them um, maybe maybe you've been feeling pushed to give some money to somebody I don't know what you want to do sometimes I give money sometimes I don't some days I'm like no they might use it for drugs and other days I'm like you know I don't care they, I'm just going to be obedient right that language might be crazy to you, but I just really want to encourage you 
to step out, to dare to be compassionate. And and it will just change your life. It will change your day. It will change your psyche. And I want to encourage you too that sometimes when you step out to show compassion to someone, they might not receive it. They might not be happy that you came into their life and you're like, hey, I want to help you. So, yeah, um, do that. And so as I get into my ending, I just want to transition now into a story besides these other stories I just said, I guess. But it's just a story that happened recently. And it really, really put it in perspective of how blessed we are. Right now, you might have things going on. But, you know, I don't know. If you're like me, it could be worse. And so I'm grateful that it's not as worse as my deepest fears. And so I am in in a position to help someone. I am in a position to listen. I am in a position to give them a pair of extra shoes that I have. You know? And I am in a position, too, to vote. And to to do certain things that will put together policies that will actually help people. That's the way we need to think. Like, faith and justice needs to become one. It's not separate. It's like... I live for God, therefore I'm, I'm, I'm sensitive to my community. I'm vulnerable to my community. I'm moved by my community. Some of us in the church, we pray these kinds of prayers. Maybe you've heard them before, but I, wanna, I want my heart to break for what breaks yours. I want my heart to be moved for what moves you, right? And, 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 and just be open to that. So now as I transition... Um, I mentioned earlier that I was in a shelter called Bellevue. And recently, I was a part of an organization called the Men of Honor Foundation. And it's uh, uh, an organization that's um, organized around the idea of like rescuing men's hearts and encouraging men to believe in a godly masculinity, to address toxic masculinity. And and, and, and and the lies that we've been told about what it means to be men. Um, I, and, and just really be like, no, you are awesome. Like, you are great. And like, we can learn together. And we can be vulnerable together. And we can cry together. And we can live honorable lives in our community, in our church, in our relationships, in our marriages, as fathers, as brothers. Right? And so it was really cool. So one of the things we did as an organization is we did a coat drive and so we had these other organizations that helped us and gathered coats and winter winter um supplies and we got to distribute them in brooklyn and when we were distributing it in brooklyn i ran into an individual who i used to be in a shelter with now years ago i got an altercation with this guy and with this gentleman or individual and, um, you know, racial tensions was deep, you know what I mean? And I understood that, and he was upset, and just, there's just, it's just real, like, white privilege is a real thing, and whether we want to accept it or not, it's real. And, um, and so, there were some times where, like, I felt counselors were actually too nice to me, and they weren't 
equally as nice to other people. I'd be like, I want to go to college. I want to get out of the shelter. And somehow I was able to get into a shelter that helped me to get to BMCC. And other people did not get that same experience. It was very real, very real. So they, this, these ideas are real. This is not just some like, oh, you know, feel bad for me. These are real things. Racism is real. White privilege is real. You know, um, bias is real. You know, and, and we have to address them. And it comes out in outreach. It comes out in homeless outreach. And so this same guy, one day, we got an altercation. He punched me in the face. And I was going to hit him back. And I was like, I stopped and I don't know how. I'm crazy. Maybe I just didn't want to get in trouble. Maybe I just didn't get arrested or something. But or maybe I just didn't want to get like really, really beat up big. So I was like, I forgive you. Now, I wasn't some like thing where I was like, you know, like, I'm so holy. It was really like, I forgive you, man. We're all in this together. Boom. He hated me. <laughs> right? So I was like, okay, cool. And, um... Meanwhile, he's my roommate, so that was wonderful. Years later, now I'm giving out these coats, and I saw that individual again, and he was still homeless. And it looked like he was still caught up in drugs, and maybe selling drugs. And it really made me think, while we were bringing joy to people's lives and giving them coats and they were like man like look at this coat like I'm doing good you know it put things in perspective I am so grateful that I'm not in that situation anymore and I've done so many things since then and to think that even now there are individuals that I was in the shelter with that have only done that out of a shelter back in out of the shelter back in off drugs back on off drugs back on and it just made me grateful and it just made me really really have a deeper level of compassion and drive and purpose to end homelessness you know I don't think it's going to end in my lifetime but that doesn't mean we shouldn't do something And I find that the way I can make a difference is that I'm really good at talking to people and listening to them. And even when they're upset at me, I understand because it's not a fair, it's not a fair fight. A lot of people are out there with knives and the system is with, has got guns, you know, it's like, it's not a fair fight. And so they're 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 challenged you know their mental illness and different kinds of things and abuse and and it's just like you gotta deal through all these things and then it's just like at the same time you're like oh i gotta make it to a meeting i gotta do this i gotta do that i gotta do that i'm just trying to like stay alive you know but if you had someone in their lives if we had someone in our lives like mentorships they would be set up to win better they'd have someone they can cry on that you know things like that and so that's what I think more and more we need to do in um, our outreach is that outreach should be about mentoring and compassion Um, we might not change the world maybe we can change one person or maybe not even change them maybe maybe the idea is that they're changing us 
And um, so I want to dare you to do that. And uh, the last thing that I'll say is, when I think about outreach, I think about this. If you've ever seen the movie Requiem for a Dream, Jared Leto's mom plays someone who's addicted to speed. In the beginning, she's a good-looking mom, and she's really consumed with being on this game show. In time, she starts taking speed. Before you know it, she's addicted to speed. She doesn't look the same. She's filled with anxiety. All she can think about is being on the show, winning the show. She knows the answers to the show. She has no idea what's going on with her son. Her son is addicted to heroin, and he's about to go completely off the rails. And then they show an an example of her riding the train, the New New York City subway, And it shows her in her progression, in her illness and addiction. And she goes from this mom, right, with a job and things like that, into someone we can't even recognize. And I always use that example because that's a harsh movie. That movie is really... It's kind of like I call them one and done movies. Like it's like you only gotta see it once. <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, but it's an example. Like I watch that example and I think of her and I think of every single person I meet on the street. And I encourage you to think about this too. Every single person that you meet on the street and what you see, right? The unshaved face, the old clothing, the bulk. You know, the stench, the things, right? The weathering. Behind all of that, before all of that, there was a human being with hopes and dreams and desires like you and I. And it's still there. And I believe that when we do outreach, that compassion opens the door for that to happen again for dreams to be reborn you know reimagined and hope to be kindled and hope is everything if we can bring hope to people's lives then our life I think is worth living because if we don't have hope there's no reason to get up out of bed A lot of the people on the streets, they've burned their bridges. So they're thinking to themselves, I don't, there's no reason. There's no reason. But when you're doing outreach, you can, you can be a part of maybe awakening hope again in someone's life. So thank you for listening. I'm JP. Uh, This has been the Who Dares Wins podcast, episode two. Um, Yeah, Uh, thank you for listening again. Just one last thing. So if you live in New York City or New Jersey area, there's a couple great organizations that do some amazing, amazing outreach work. The Rescue Alliance, um, the Bowery Mission, uh, the New York City Rescue Mission, um, Safe Horizons, 
um what else salvation army um there's and then there's also like some great organizations like city hope at hillsong church there's um hope for new york which is out of redeemer pastor tim keller there's um uh just wow there's so many and then when it comes to like policy and public policy there's the the interfaith assembly of on homelessness and housing and their director is mark greenberg i really suggest that you check him out and um if there's others that you know about and you're listening to this and you're not in new york and new jersey um please um message in send me a voice message um let me know so that i can um in in future episodes uh, let people know about what's out there and um yeah and then maybe like one by one we can really be a part of that i just want to encourage you if you'd like to get involved let me know and i'll send you to the right people i know some amazing people that would love to have some volunteers who feel called to this work you've been listening to who dares wins i'm jp take a risk